0: either God's given you a calling that has not yet been fulfilled or there's a prayer that hasn't yet been answered or uh, there's a burden that you're carrying that you haven't delivered yet or there's a, there's a dream and a passion that God's placed down inside of you that hasn't come to fruition yet. And so somewhere from, from the beginning of that until it is fulfilled, all that time in between is what I like to call process. Process. And process can be a very, very difficult time if we don't know how to handle it if we don't know how to to yield to it and let the process do what it's meant to do so tonight I want to talk to you about process the path to God's promises process the path to God's promises and if you would I'd like you to just turn your attention to the screen we're going to watch about a two minute video clip by way of introduction Isn't it nice when things just work? All right, so quite a process there, quite complicated and involved process. Let's go back just a little ways in time, and let's talk about photography just a little bit. Way, 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 way back, some of you will remember the Kodak One Ten. Now, I could have shown you a picture of just the Kodak One Ten. But this guy was just too good to pass up. I mean he is happy about the Kodak 110 and what I wouldn't give for his hair. Uh, my goodness. The Kodak 110 was a small camera with uh, a picture quality about as good as my fifth grade art skills and uh, you could you could take the picture with the thing. you had to be sure to use all of the exposures on the film, all 24. You would take these exposures to the local grocery store or a pharmacy, perhaps even Walmart, not Supercenter back then, and then you would wait patiently for three to five days for your film to be developed. They improved on that process a little bit with the 35 millimeter camera, but still you had to be sure to use all of the exposures or you would waste some, and you still had to wait for three, sometimes up to five days for... Your prints to come back. But then they changed life as we knew it and absolutely just revolutionized our lives. And that was when they came out with the one hour photo mat. The one hour photo mat. So, in this way, you could take your pictures, drop them off at your drive through photo mat, and in an hour, you've got your pictures back. And in a little bit of research I did while I was supposed to be studying the scriptures, I found that um, these guys uh, would actually, some of them to compete would would let you look through your pictures and discard the ones you didn't want. You didn't have to pay for those. And so that's kind of how they would would compete back in the the, the days of the one-hour photo mat. Now consider this with me, if you will. Now we have, of course, digital cameras. We have phones with cameras. And so you can take pictures and have it immediately on your screen if you're inclined. Uh, Print it out, you know, on your printer through a wireless connection. Even have it on glossy paper. And uh, you can post it immediately to Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. And if you're in the middle of taking a selfie and somebody photobombs you, you can always delete it and take another one. Just like that. And so it's instantaneous. We've come a long way from the process... Of having camera or having film develop. In fact, the other day, uh, Farah had her had her phone out and was looking at it. Had the camera app open, and was looking at it and looking at it. And finally, Dawson said, "Just take the picture, Mom." To which she replied, "I'm not taking a picture. I'm checking my hair." So you see, you know, I mean, it's instant. You don't, you know, you don't like it, you delete it. This truth is also found, I I thought about this, I'm I'm an Amazon junkie. I got an Amazon gift card for Christmas, and I had a lot of fun with that. I I like to order things off of Amazon, and what I like about it is when you place your order, you can immediately start tracking your package, so you know when it leaves the facility, you know when it gets to South Haven, Mississippi. I don't know why most of my packages come through South Haven, Mississippi, but it seems like an overwhelming majority of them do. You can find out when it's out for delivery and you know pretty much what day it's going to be delivered. In fact, you do know what day it's going to be delivered on your doorstep. But this wasn't always the case because I remember as a kid, we used to get this, uh, this catalog at the house with the dubious title of Things You Never Knew Existed and Can't Possibly Live Without. That, that's some kind of catalog right there. And they had things like, you know, whoopee cushions and whistles and, you know, masks and, you know, pranks and, and these sorts of things. And I'll never forget one time I, I saved up my money and ordered a rubber monkey. Now, again, you got to remember the title. These are things you never knew existed and can't possibly live without. I don't know what I was going to do with the rubber monkey, but I couldn't possibly live without it. So I saved up my money and I uh, got my mom to write the check. We put it in the mail. And from there, it was like just dropping it into the abyss. I mean, you did not know when it was going to get there, when they were going to fulfill the shipment, when they were going to mail the shipment, and when it, would, when it would arrive. And so it seemed like days, or it seemed like weeks and months, and an eternity before the rubber monkey came back and showed up on my doorstep. But nowadays, as I mentioned, you know instantly, instantly, instantly when things are going to arrive. And so the point is simply this. We've come to a point where we're just not used to process, especially when there's time involved. We like it now. We like it instant. uh, We like it immediate. And we're just not used to process. A couple of weeks ago, we did an exercise up in Collision Students where we had the students pick out a word that... Uh, best represented what they wanted to, to accomplish out of this new year, or, or really kind of what represented where they were in their life and, and kind of their goals and what it would take to get them to their goals. Just kind of kind of a one word summary of where they are in their walk with God. And I chose the word process. I chose the word process because I want to spend this year understanding that I'm in a process. I want to yield to the process. I don't want to fight against the process. And yes, I even want to find joy in the process. Even though sometimes it can be very, very painful. Our spiritual lives specifically, especially our spiritual journey is a process. The God-given dreams, the promises, the callings, the giftings, all of those things need to be developed. And the way God chooses to do that is through Process. So here's the big idea, the over the overarching point that I want to explore with you for a little while, and it's this: is that process is God's idea, and it takes time. Process is God's idea, and it takes time. Look at Galatians chapter six, verse seven. The Scripture says, "Be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man reapeth, or whatsoever a man soweth, he shall also." reap now this friends is simply known as the law of the harvest and we get this we know this we know that what we sow is what we reap so if you sow apple seeds you expect to get an apple tree if you sow banana I guess seeds you expect to get a banana tree if you sow uh, good works you expect to reap the product of that if you sow bad works negative works Deceitful works, you expect to reap the product of that. We get that. That's the law of the harvest. But there's another element to the law of the harvest set in motion in this verse. And it's a God thing. As I said, it's God's idea. And that is simply this. There is a time element involved in the sowing and the reaping. The law of the harvest is also about time. When you plant a seed, let's say an apple seed, you have to water it. You have to cover the dirt over it, water it. You might talk to it a little bit. If you're a serious gardener, you might fertilize it and all this. But then what? Then you wait. You wait. And there is a process that that seed has to go through before it becomes an apple tree. It has to go through all of these these steps and all of these changes. So the sowing is like the start of our journey, the reaping is like the end of our journey, and there's a whole lot of cultivating that takes place in between the two. Galatians 6 and 9 feathers this idea, it says, Let let us not be weary in well-doing. Why? For in due season we shall reap, what? If we faint not. So there's a, there's a time element. Psalms 126 and 6 says, He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Notice the going, time, time investment, time involved, time passes by, and then the coming again, bringing the sheaves. There, there's that process of time. Because here's the truth. There is no or there are no overnight successes in the kingdom of God. This idea is simply the way God conducts business in the kingdom. And I've lived long enough now to know that there's no way around it. There's no shortcut. You can't you know, skirt around it. You can't circumvent it. If you're going to accomplish anything in the kingdom of God, if you're going to have God accomplish anything in you, You have to be willing to go through the process. And all too often, if you're like like me, you want the process to hurry up. You want to get there. I remember uh, when we we felt the call to go and spend uh, nine months on a missions trip to Ireland. And when that finally became the reality and we, we had committed to going, Everything was in place, all of the papers and the approvals and all of the, all of the things that had to happen had happened. I was ready to go get on the airplane. We waited about two more years, at least a year and a half, before that all happened. Because why? Because there's a process. And I, being the impatient one, am ready right now. If God promises me something, God gives me something, I'm ready to go. Let's do it right now. God is not like that. Here's the deal. Consider this. A maggot takes six days to become a fly. A caterpillar, certain breeds or certain uh, species and varieties can take up to a year in the cocoon to process into a butterfly. So the simple question for you tonight is do you want to be a maggot or a butterfly? (laughs) Spiritually speaking. So things take time. Things worth achieving. Things worth having, especially in the kingdom of God, take time. Now, there's at least two, there, there's many examples in the scriptures, but I want to I just highlight two uh, just tremendous examples in my mind because I can, in some ways, I feel like I can relate to these guys. Now, not nowhere near the, the spiritual giants they are, I don't mean that, but I can relate to their process because they both no doubt had lots of discouragements and they certainly had setbacks. The first one is a guy we all know and love by the name of Joseph. Joseph. Now watch watch his process here with me. Now Joseph was as a young man was given some dreams. In his dreams he dreamed that the sun and the moon and the stars bowed down and worshiped him. He had another dream in which his brothers and his mom and his dad and his family bowed down and worshiped him. And he got pretty excited about these dreams and the the Bible doesn't say so you know we'll we'll make that disclaimer we'll We'll just kind of use our imagination here a little bit, but we find later that Joseph was an interpreter of dreams. He interpreted Pharaoh's dream. He interpreted some men, uh, some men's dreams in the uh, in the jail where he where he was for a while. And so maybe, just maybe, Joseph really kind of had a grasp on what those dreams really meant. Maybe he understood what God had in store for him. And he made the mistake of telling his family, telling his brothers, telling his mom and dad, and. They, of course, didn't appreciate it. And I almost, I almost think that maybe Joseph was probably thinking, like, this is this is about to happen, right, God? Because you gave me this dream. I'm going to go tell them they're supposed to bow down and worship me. I kind of see that immaturity in him a little bit. Probably mainly because I see it in myself. Uh because I, I just think when, you know, I tend like I said earlier, I tend when God gives me something, I'm like, oh yeah, let's go do that. Let's charge the mountain right now. Let's don't even worry about a plan. <laughs> Who needs a plan when God's with you, right? That that's a sarcasm, right? You need a plan. <laughs> um so he, he may have even thought, I'm tell my family about this and they're gonna bow down and worship No. But the the, the deal is that he had some grasp and some concept that God had this tremendous destiny for his life, and he was going places uh, as a called out one of God, and then he gets sold into slavery into Egypt, and then he winds up in a prison cell for years and years and years and years. Now we see this, this is what gets me, we see this story in historical context, we see it in hindsight, but Joseph saw it going forward as he lived it out, just like we see our lives. We don't get to see our lives in hindsight. We don't know what lies ahead. We don't know what God's about to do. And so we get to look back and we say, "Oh yeah, you know, he was he was sold into slavery. He was in a uh, he was in a dungeon for a while, but I mean, he became the second to Pharaoh." Like it's no big deal, but Joseph didn't know that. Imagine with me, if you're Joseph, you have these dreams that and, and ultimately he becomes the second in command of Pharaoh, but right now you're a prisoner. You're the lowest on the totem pole socially. And so you're sitting there and you're thinking, God, did you forget? Did I, you know, did I miss it? Did I do something to anger you? Is, what's the deal here? Because this is not working out like you promised. And yet, and yet Joseph becomes second to Pharaoh. He saves the world from famine. He saves his people from famine. He saves his family from famine through God's process. All of that was the process to get Joseph where he needed to be. The second example, to me even more poignant, is David, one of the greatest characters in the Bible. David. And again, consider David as it's unfolding in his life. Don't try not to think about it like we see it when we read it. But David is a young man out tending the flocks. And Samuel calls him out and anoints him to be the next king of Israel. So David knows beyond a shadow of a doubt, I will be the next king of Israel, saith the Lord. That's done. That's sealed. It's done. The public also knows he's going to be the next king of Israel because this was done in public. It wasn't done in private. So this is set into motion. And I can't imagine the dreams that David had that night when he... After the, after the anointing took place, he goes to bed that night. And I bet he didn't sleep. I bet he was dreaming, what will it be like when I sit on the throne? And what will it be like when I'm commanding an army? And what will it be like when I'm wearing royal robes? And what, you know, I, all these, it, it had to just fuel his imagination. He had to be so excited about it. And then here's the part that just trips me up, okay? Because again, I can see this, this has happened to me, not as king of Israel, but in, in just in God working with me. Saul calls David up to the palace and says, I want you to play your harp for me. And and by playing the harp, we know it drove the evil spirits that tormented Saul out of the palace. And so if I'm David, I'm thinking, I got it. I got you, God. Here it is. I see how you're going to work me into the palace. This is perfect. You're calling me in to play my harp to help the king. He's probably going to mentor me. He's probably going to uh, apprentice me, and then when he dies, I'll just move right on in and assume the throne. Perfect. I got it. What happens? The next thing you know, Saul's trying to kill him. David runs from the palace, and for the next 30 years or so, he's running for his life through the wilderness. Just one step from death, every step of the way. Not how he thought it would happen at all. Why did God do that? Why why didn't God do it the way that it would have been so logical? Well, I don't know. But part of the reason is because God does everything through process. And he does it through the process of time. And one of the reasons that I can tell you for sure is that what happens through the process is meant to build into us, to build character into us, and to prepare us for that moment when we do arrive. At the promise, at the culmination, at the answered prayer, at the dream come true. He builds some character in us through that process. Consider, consider by way of example, the Chinese bamboo. Now, if you were to go out and plant a Chinese bamboo, during the first year, you would see nothing visible happening. During the second year you would see nothing visible happening. During the third year, you would see nothing visible happening. Guess what happens in the fourth year? Nothing visible happens. But in the fifth year, that Chinese bamboo will grow up to 80 feet high in just one year's time, we would say. But in reality, in the four years before that, that 80 feet of growth, 80 foot of growth, it was developing under the ground a massive root system, a massive support structure. So that when the time came for the exponential growth, it had the support structure in place to handle the growth. So that's part of the reason for the process. It's to put that foundation it's to build that character so that when the growth comes, when the, when the dream comes true, when the burden is, is delivered, when the, promise is, when the promise is tangible, we're ready for it and we can handle it. Some of us here tonight are in the middle of a process of some kind, as I said before. And it's like the, it's like the story I read this week of, of, of an expedition on Mount Everest. They were climbing and suddenly just out of nowhere they were hit by one of those blizzards, 70 mile an hour wind. Just the, the the snow was just pelting them. And later the survivors said that it felt like they were swimming in milk. And sometimes in the, when you're in the middle of something, of a process with God, it can feel like you're swimming in milk. You don't know up from down, right from left. You don't even know if you're on the right track. You don't even know if you're swimming in the right direction. But I want to encourage you here tonight. If you're here tonight and you feel like that, then I want you to know that if you're, if you're doing what you're supposed to do, As a Christian, you're staying faithful to God. You're staying faithful to the house of God, faithful to the call of God. Even when it seems like you're swimming in milk, God is working that process for you. You just have to be patient and let him do it and yield to it. So what do you do? What what can you do practically speaking while you're in the middle of the process to help make the process do what it's supposed to do. Well, there are four practical steps, and I'll just spend the balance of our time together just kind of talking about these four practical steps. They're found in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14 through 16, and I love 1 and 2 Timothy, and the reason why is Paul is writing to Timothy, who was a young minister, and, and it's full of this just great, it's, like a, it's almost like a father writing to a son. It's almost like a mentor writing to, To the apprentice. It's almost like Paul was coaching him up a little bit. And so 1 and 2 Timothy to me are just gold mines of spiritual advice and spiritual truth. And and I challenge all of us, they're short books. You could just go and read them and just glean from them. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul gives us some clues about what we can do in the process. He tells Timothy, do not neglect the gift that is in you. Everybody say, do not neglect. Which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on those things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So, uh, uh, Paul gives us at least four things we can do... In this passage here to help us through the process. The first thing he says is do not neglect. So in Timothy's case it was a gift. But for us it may be a dream. It may be a promise God has given you. It may be a prayer you're praying that hasn't been answered yet. It may be the seed of a ministry that's been planted in you. It may be a dream or a passion. That God has just planted that little seed. And that's about all that seems like it's happening. Whatever it is. Do not neglect. That's the first one. Do not neglect. Proverbs 3, 5-7 through 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy path. Acknowledge Him. Don't neglect it. C.S. Lewis said, Isn't it funny how day by day nothing changes, but when you look back, everything is different? That's so true, isn't it? Just the. Just, an, just think about man, an example of if you decided right now to go on a diet and lose a certain amount of pounds and you got up tomorrow and you stuck with that diet, you probably wouldn't see a whole lot of results. And the next day, you probably wouldn't see a whole lot of results. And the next day, you probably wouldn't see a whole lot of results. But two weeks from now, you might step on a scale and notice some results. The same is true in our spiritual discipline. The same is true in our spirit, spiritual discipline. Small Incremental steps lead up to big results if we will strive to not neglect the process. Don't neglect it. Take that small step every day. You might, it might not seem like a big thing, but it, it might just be being faithful. It might just be faithful in the little things so that God can exalt you in much. And one thing I would point out, a healthy perspective at this stage of the process is this. Is you may not be at the finish line yet. You're not at the starting line either. You're somewhere in between. So you're on the you're on the road. You're going down the path. You're on the right. You're on the right track. So that's that's a healthy perspective to keep. To 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 keep that in perspective and not neglect what God is doing and the gift that's been placed in you. Meditate on it is the second thing that Paul challenges us to do. Proverbs four twenty six says, "Ponder the path." Of thy feet and let all of your ways be established. Proverbs 16, 3. Commit thy works to the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. We ponder these things. We think on these things. We meditate on these things. We keep it front and center in our mind as we're going through the process. Because it's easy to lose focus. And I, it's another message for another time. But just in, in short, it, it's easy. It's like the kind of the little saying, you know, that like squirrel, you know, squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to get distracted, but if if you meditate on it, say, God, you've given me this promise. Write it down. Pray it. Absorb it. Let it get down in your spirit. Let it become the focus of your imagination and your thoughts. Um, Brother Merrill and I, I'm thinking this through before I say it. This is not in my notes. Brother Merrill and I used to uh, show up back when we were at Baker. We'd come to the church and pray together. Uh, once per week usually on Monday nights and and we shared a lot of dreams together, a lot of prayers together and we both kind of knew and felt that call to the ministry back back in those days and we pray about those things and we we talked one time and we both acknowledged that there were times where we just we just imagined we would just in a daydream imagine preaching you know to the largest crowd you could possibly imagine and just imagine God just doing these awesome these crusades and revival, uh, just breaking out. And, and so we dreamed those things. We, ima- we meditated on those things and we would share those things with one another. So it's what you got to do when you're in the process. You got to imagine what it will be like. And I'll talk about that next. It really transitions me into my next point where Paul says, give yourself entirely to it. He says, give yourself entirely to it. He follows up with this this whole idea in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. He says, Wherefore, seeing also, we are accomplished about with great clouds of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight, the sin, and let us run with patience. There's that race analogy before that I read in the first, in our opening text, that we're in a race, we're in a process, there's a finish line to be obtained. But look what he says in verse 2. He says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Paul uses here the best example that we could possibly use, and that is of Jesus Christ, someone who gave himself entirely to his mission from the moment he was born. He lived for one thing and one thing only, and that was to die on the cross for my sin and your sin. He gave himself entirely to that cause, to that mission. How did he do it? By focusing on the joy that was set before him. The joy, I believe, was of course ransoming sinners like you and I. But it was also knowing that resurrection morning was coming. And that he would be set down at the right hand of the Father as the scripture says. And the same is true for us. We should give ourselves entirely to the process. Give ourselves entirely to the motivation. But the thing is, do that by Keeping an eye on the prize. Keep an eye on the finish line. Keep a, in your mind's eye where you're going. The joy set before you, that finish line. There is something coming. God will do what he promised you he will do. And then finally, the apostle says, take heed. Take heed to yourself and to your doctrine. And this is really a lot, kind of, kind of where we started, where he said not to neglect or do not neglect, neglect not. Now he's turning that around, he's saying take heed. Those are similar, similar uh, concepts. But let me just share this, 2 Timothy 1 and 6 says, uh, here again Paul addressing Timothy, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by putting on of my hand. So that's, that's an action where we're to stir it up, we're to keep it, to keep it going. To, to take heed to it means to keep it nurtured, to keep it stirred up, to keep it going. Remember what you're doing. Remember the big picture. Remember that even though you're stuck in this, you're not stuck, but you're going through this process that there is a bigger picture. There is a kingdom of God. And and it's all working to a greater purpose. Sister, somebody tweeted today. I don't know if you're following because of the times um, in, in any way on Facebook or whatever, but on Twitter, Sister Mangan said today that Jesus did not attend John the Baptist's funeral. In other words, he used John for a purpose. And when John was finished, John was finished. And Jesus moved on. And that's tough. (laughs) That's a big deal. And that's a big sermon in and of itself. And there's reasons for that that we could study. But the, the short version is we should give ourselves wholly to the cause of the kingdom. And when Jesus calls on us and wants to use us we should be willing and we should give ourselves entirely to the process and so here's the promise here's the promise if we do all those things here's what i believe god will do for us if we will meditate on it we will not neglect it we'll take heed to it give ourselves entirely to it here's what god will do the promise psalms 37 34 here it is wait on the lord wait here's that wait word again process keep his way Just doing what you know to do. But here's what he'll do. He shall exalt you to inherit the land. Now it's not about being exalted as far as I'm concerned. It's about inheriting some things. All right. So God's given you promises. He's given me promises. He's given us dreams. He's given us ministries. He's given us prayers that we pray that we want to see answered. He's promising us that we'll receive that inheritance if we will wait on him and keep his way. That inheritance is bound to come if we'll go through the process. I'll conclude tonight with this very, very interesting story. Probably a gift in some ways to this man. And One morning in 1888, Alfred Nobel, the inventor of dynamite, awoke to read his own obituary. Now how do you like that? The obituary was printed as a result of a simple journalistic error. It was Alfred's brother that had died, but the reporter carelessly reported the death of the wrong brother. Now, any of us would be disturbed under those circumstances to to wake and read your obituary, but to Alfred, the shock was overwhelming because he saw himself through the world's eyes. He saw himself as the world saw him, and that was... The dynamite king. They saw Alfred as a great industrialist who made an immense fortune from explosives. As far as the general public was concerned, this was the entire purpose of Alfred's life. None of his true intentions to break down barriers that separated men. None of his ideas for peace were recognized. None of them were even given serious consideration in the obituary. He was simply known as a merchant of death. And for that alone, he would be remembered. As he read the obituary in horror, he resolved to make clear to the world the true meaning and purpose of his life. This could be done through one final disposition of his fortune, for you see, he was a very wealthy man. His last will and testament was an endowment of five annual prizes for outstanding contributions in physics, chemistry, medicine literature, and peace. The sixth category of economics was added later. These would be the expression of his life's ideals and ultimately would be why we remember Alfred Nobel. The most valuable prize given to those who had done the most for the cause of world peace is called the Nobel Peace Prize. So there's good news for us today. If you're still alive, hopefully you are, then there's still some time to grasp the process that you are in tonight. Up until this point, you may have been resisting the process. You may not have understood the process. You may have felt depressed that you haven't seen the fulfillment of God's promises yet. You may have even let go of some dreams That God never intended you to let go. But if you're in this place tonight, you still have an opportunity to pick those up and say, God, I'm yielding to the process. I'm willing, if it it causes a little bit of pain, and it will cause a little bit of pain. If I have to go through some things, and you will have to go through some things. I'm willing to go through the process. Why? For the joy that's set before me. For the goal, for the prize of what you have. For me, Let's stand, if you would. Just like Joseph, just like David, if you could see your life in hindsight, kind of like, like Alfred Nobel, if you could look back and see, oh, you would see that this was all working for a greater purpose. It was all working for a greater cause and even a greater calling. And I'll leave you with this last scripture, one of my favorite scriptures in the entire text of the word of God. And it's simply this, Philippians 1 and 6 being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ you see God finishes what he starts God finishes what he starts absolutely hallelujah I, I thank you again so much for everybody that's here tonight what a what a great group and Thank you, Grace, for being here. I want to pray with you before we're dismissed tonight and uh, just, just pray that God would apply this and help us to live this. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much, God, for your word. It's always an honor to share your word, always an honor to study your word. Your word is true. It's alive. It's powerful. And it's working in our lives, God. And so tonight, help us to just take hold of this process, this idea that you had, Lord, for process. And let us realize, God, that you have a place that you're leading each and every one of us to. You have something you're going to do in each and every life. If we can hang in there and stick with you through your process. God, go with us. Go with this church to the next level. Go with each of us to the next level. When we come back in here on Sunday, I just pray that you would explode among us, God, and make yourself manifest like never before. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. Hey, shake somebody's hand.